broadcasting from the live network studios in West Atlantic City, New Jersey. It's the Quizzo Trivia Podcast with your hosts Nick and Drew. To participate, tweet us at Quizzo Podcast or send us an email at info at QuizzoPodcast.com. That's Q-U-I-Z-Z-O. Now, let's get to the show. The sweet, sweet sounds of Greta Van Fleet, Nick. I love those guys. How's their world tour going? <laughs> Abruptly halted. <laughs> you know what? I haven't even thought about it because you know, I just don't think much about like young musicians during that as uh, pandemic. But man, talk about a time to like break as potentially the biggest rock band going. And then this happens. That is uh, a bummer is what they su- say. Su- 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 sucks. That is what they call a bummer. I mean, ho- hopefully everything just gets put on pause and they can go right back to it when the world opens again. That's but- not going to happen. There's going to be a lot of carnage one way or another. There's a lot of people that can't survive this economically that had to make career choices that might have been, you know, comedians, up and coming well, musicians. Cool. Like, imagine you're a young comedian on the verge of like breaking. And you're traveling the country, and now you're... Yeah, right, because everybody wants to hit that corona jokes again when they get back off tour. Like, the, what were you doing in quarantine routines? That'll be funny. Yeah, what about... So I've just been... Uh, I found this author. His name is uh, Paul Tremblay. You ever hear of him? I mean, I doubt you would have heard of him. I have guy. not. All right, so he wrote a book a couple of years ago called, like, The Cabin at the End of the World. Okay. And I just read it. And he might have had something that... Let's turn into a, a show or a movie. No, I should, but anyway, I read that and immediately jumped into his new book, and it's all about, you know, quarantine. You know, I'm 30 pages in, but it's, you know, about a life of quarantine. And then, look, you know, it was written just this year. So, like, people are, like, pumping out books about quarantining and stuff. And it's like, I don't know. It's like. I, I have disdain. I have disdain for it because, forever. like the the, yeah. the feeling I get when I see a product being advertised, being hawked on TV, and they're trying to take the "we're all in it together, surviving this" angle. I want to vomit, Nick. It makes me physically ill. <laughs> it's like yeah. we're all in this together. Verizon Wireless. Like what? You know? How about like? Yeah. How about Capital Wells One. Fargo? Capital One. We've made two percent off of small businesses for right. We're we're one, like Wells <laughs> Fargo, one of the support. most atrocious companies ever. <laughs> like, uh, literally convicted of all kinds of terrible things that they did to people and preyed on on people and opened up accounts falsely and then denied having it and then charged them over. Like, just the most unscrupulous. Things you oh, could right. get and a bank to do. They all got bailed out by the gov- They all got bailed out by the government when they hit a rough patch. Yeah, and but then they're, they're like people, like yeah, you don't have to pay your mortgage for six months, but then you just have to pay it all at once. Right, and then during this challenging time, we've turned at least a thousand of our offices into food distribution centers. So you let people use your parking lot while you were closed, and we're supposed to give you a medal for this. Yeah, I know. Uh, uh, I know somebody who owns a coffee shop up in uh, Philly area, and. They've obviously been closed for so long, and they can't support twenty five percent indoor. It's like not even worth opening because it's they don't have enough seats, right? Sure. So the the landlord was like, "Yeah, sure, you know, just you know, delay your, you know, rent." And they, now they're trying to collect all of it and working on like getting them evicted and sending them like you know letters from attorneys and stuff. And it's like, who are you going to put in there, man? Who's dying to open up a coffee shop? You know. What I mean? 
right now. Like it's, he's just it's insanity. It's, it, it, it's, it, it is. It's criminal. All right, let's get to actual Quizzo, because we're at episode 179 of the Quizzo Trivia Podcast. At least that's my count. Uh, Nick, I got a lot of stuff for you this week, and I know we got to get through it pretty quickly, so I'm going to start you off with this one. It's just an interesting uh, general knowledge question. Nick, what type of vehicle has a component called the Jesus Nut? Once again, what type of vehicle has a component called the Jesus Nut? Hmm. I really have no idea, so I'm going to guess a helicopter. You got it right. Woo! The Jesus nut yeah. is the nut at the top of the rotary of the helicopter <laughs> it, it, it that keeps it. It kind of makes sense, right? Yes, and <laughs> and there, it got its right name going. because if it comes loose, the last the only thing left to do is pray to Jesus. That's, yeah. that's, <laughs> I'm picturing like what kind of vehicle has a very critical nut, and I was like the top of the helicopter. I would imagine is probably uh, the most important <laughs> critical nut yeah. you can think of because if there's nothing keeping those blades from spinning off, you're all going down. So, yes, that is well thought out, and uh, good job there. Fire away. Let's go. I'll stick in the vehicle uh, department here. Uh, The letters on the first license plates represented what? What did the letters on the first license plates represent? Oh, that's a great question. The vehicle. I'm going to guess the vehicle. No, the letters on the first license plate represented the owner's initials. No way. Yeah, you used to get your. I mean, people still do that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's crazy. It's popular in New Jersey where people have like the county initial and then your initials and then you know whatever your favorite. Number yeah, my favorite is. move is like people that don't live down the shore that have like a Pennsylvania license plate that try to dress up their car with everything humanly possible to indicate that they have some sort of connection here, even though they don't live here. You know what I mean? Oh, like uh, Ocean City. Yeah, Ocean just City like that's uh, like like they got a Pennsylvania license City. plate with an Ocean City like you know surrounding the license plate thing that says like Ocean City, New Jersey, with like an Ocean Do Ocean City you know sticker sitting there, and like some sort of like local restaurant that tries to identify this. It's like you're still not from here. You still go home somewhere else. This is not your home. Uh, I was driving up to the middle of nowhere on Saturday for a soccer game, and uh, I saw the most aggressive bumper sticker I've ever seen in my life. I like that. F. Joe Biden, fully spelled out. Wow, that's aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. aggressive. And long. <laughs> relax like, on that. Not small, just like right down the expressway. And I, I want to say it was like red. I mean, it, it was just, and I'm thinking, like, is that, that can't be legal, right? It can't be legal to just. Uh, I mean, what a country. Right? <laughs> you know, I don't know. In Russia, they poisoned the opposition. So <laughs> I, I don't know what to tell you <laughs> rather than just but criticize just, him. I was like, wow, that is really aggressive at a red light or to be. To yeah, be that's, uh, a, that's an awesome question. I like that. And uh, I just assume maybe it was like Model T. So it was like everything started with like MT. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, like, one. I was actually thinking of doing like a multiple choice where it would be like the owner's initials, the car models. Yeah, or, yeah. Like, I mean, the state of the owner. Like something, something unless like you that. know it, you're not going to know that. But that's a, give, that's give a, it like a multiple. Choice. I like that. It's good trivia. Um, uh, let's see. I got a true or false in the general knowledge round. And then I've got kind of like a uh, 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 more of a literature type question. So I can give you both. But uh, what do you want first? Literature. Okay. What famous writer gave New York the nickname Gotham? What 
famous. Everybody knows Gotham, right? Being a nickname New for York for nickname, nickname uh, for New York. Gotham. And ironically, like they call in Batman Gotham City, and it's supposed to be fictional, but Gotham is just a nickname for New York City. Right. The nickname for Gotham has been around longer than the Batman. Oh yeah. Story. Oh yes. At least seventeen hundreds. Way longer. You know what Gotham means? Side note. No. It's funny. (laughs) It means goat town, Nick. Town of goats. Wow. Yep. Does not sound like that. No, it doesn't. Sounds much more like industrial and built. Because you have that impression when you hear of Gotham City. You don't think of goat town city. But that's really what it means. So if anybody wants to name a new football team in in New York City and you're looking for some angle here besides Gotham, go with the Goats. So are you saying that this person, this writer that gave the nickname, gave the nickname back in the 1700s? Yes. Wow. I don't even know that I could come up with a writer from the 1700s. Maybe 1800s in that world. He might have been alive in the 1700s, but wrote this in the 1800s. Let's, I could find that out pretty easily. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Jeez, uh, that is a long, long time ago. I will this say... This author uh, lived from 1783 to 1859, so I believe I adequately... All right, Mary Shelley. Nope. It was Washington Irving. Uh, I didn't realize he was that... Yeah, I guess he was that far back, huh? Yeah, Sleepy Hollow... Yeah, I, I didn't realize that that stuff was from the 1700s. I know the story of the guy who fell asleep during the American Revolution. Yeah, Rip Van Winkle. Realize, yeah, I didn't realize that he was really like writing that around the time of the American Revolution. He wrote that like, in 1819, <laughs> and then The Legend of Sleepy Hollow in 1820. Yeah, yeah, I, I just I didn't realize he was that old. Yep. So that's a good one, man. Tough, but the years will help people who are more familiar with. His timeline than me. Uh, well, I that's, saw why, this one that's why we give it away on the podcast. I saw this one and I was astonished. Uh, so, all right. So you're familiar with uh, TripAdvisor, right? And they have like their top 10 list that they come out with every so often. Yep. They did a top 10 of like the highest rated fancy restaurants in the United States. Okay. Three. Of the top ten are in what city? Three of the top ten best fancy restaurants, according to TripAdvisor, which I will say the top two I had heard of both, which is French Laundry out in uh, Napa Valley and Danielle, you know, Starn's favorite restaurant that he talks about in New York. I have been to neither of them, but at least the top two I feel like were – something I had heard of, so I felt like the, the list is somewhat credible. But, man, I was surprised to see this. So what city has three? Three are in one city. No, no other city has two in the top ten. Please tell me it's Atlantic city. city. It's right here, <laughs> right in my backyard. I could go to them right now. No, it, it's it not. not. Damn. Uh, what's a great food city? Chicago? All right, I'm going to give you the clue that I give to the uh, – Audience here. Because I'm just throwing what darts. Southern, what Ooh. southern U.S. city is home to three of the ten? The the city I associate least with food is Atlanta, so that's what I'll guess. Yeah, no, it's, not, it's definitely not Atlanta. Okay. 
Um, because that was like the Look, the Varsity Burger. What was that place called? Varsity, Varsity Pizza. Yeah. Varsity Pizza. Yeah, that didn't uh, that didn't crack the top ten. It was okay. It's it was like Greek style Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Like Charleston. You got it, Charleston. That's like the foodiest city I could think of. Yeah. It's got that street. Have you ever been on that street? I have. It's beautiful. Amazing. Yeah, I saw uh, a recorded P-Groove multiple times on that street. I actually slept on it in the trailer multiple times (laughs) in the alleyway behind it. When the world opens up again. I haven't been down there in a while. Uh, I like it. I like Uh, it. Doesn't the guru go down there every year or something? Yeah, he likes it too. Conversation with him that he takes a trip down there every year. All right, this is my last one. General knowledge. Then we'll hit sports. I only have one sport, so we'll make up for it in that one. All right, uh, I've got two. I can give you, so I'll go first in sports. You, okay, perfect. Now, I'll yep, yep, yep. So, okay, uh, true or false? Time, Nick. Uh, true or false? Uh, fire poles were installed in firehouses to prevent pillaging from uh, uh, to prevent horses from pillaging firehouse kitchens. True or false? True. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> even you, even you couldn't come up with that. <laughs> Is that the most ridiculous thing you've ever heard? Do you ever wonder why they do that? Why they slide down the pole to get from one yeah, floor without stairs? There's no stairs. The horses can't walk downstairs. <laughs> the horses were going, would smell the food being cooked upstairs, and they'd come up the stairs and start wrecking the kitchen. That's great. <laughs> I love the history of where these things come from. Like, yeah, and I like, know listen, I don't leave listen, like a listen, dog listen. in my kitchen. I no can't stairs. imagine the horses being no left stairs. alone. Okay, no stairs. Uh, okay, just no stairs. <laughs> what are we going to do? Look, you cut a hole in the ground that we're putting a pole. Everybody goes down the pole, climbs up the pole. You got me? Horses can't walk downstairs. So. Yeah, they did uh, spiral staircases too. Yeah, yep. <laughs> so that's that's why they So a horse there. cannot travel down the stairs. Yes. <laughs> Eventually there was... No horses left, but they still had all these firehouses with spiral staircases and engine and uh, poles. So, all right, uh, let's get to sports with this one. Um, what to do? What to do? Lots of. Uh, I'll start with this one. What Atlanta Falcons receiver has scored twenty-one touchdowns in his last thirty-one games? But Atlanta Falcons I know who it isn't. has scored. 21 touchdowns in his last 31 games. Calvin Ridley. You got it. And it's certainly not Julio Jones. He scores a touchdown once in like every six years. <laughs> do, you, do you want to take a stab at how many games it's been for Julio to rack up his last 21 touchdowns? 140. So Ridley, <laughs> Ridley's done it in 31. Julio. Like 60. Oh, man. You're all over it. 61 games. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Explain that to me. Same offense. Double coverage to him almost every play. So there you go. All right, I can I can explain it very easily to you. <laughs> double covered every play. Yeah, you you basically if you don't keep Julio Jones double covered with the safety like exclusively on him, he will burn you for a touchdown when you don't do that. So you have to harass him every play. Bracket covered, and and of course like you're running into teams Nick that aren't always playing man, right? So if you're going against the zone. Then it becomes a completely different challenge. All right. Um, here's my one sports question for you. Give me either. It's sort of a 20-pointer, so that sort of makes up for it. Give me either of the two teams that played in the first ever Monday night football game, which was 50 years. Monday. 50 years ago, Monday. 
Oh, the two teams that played in the first Monday Night Football game? Either of the two teams. First ever Monday Night Football game. Boy, I, I, I really just had no idea. So I will guess the Jets. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know how you got that right. Why would you guess the Jets on anything? In anything? Because you knew it. So oh, well, it would enough. just, it would be something that you would pay, to, you know, when you see that it was the Jets. You'd well, pay also, the clue is 50 years ago. So what was 50 years ago? Oh, yeah, they were good. They were the champions. Yeah, okay. That makes sense, too. Uh, I'm going to say uh, the other, the opponent. As much as I would like to say the Colts, I would say the odds are it's in division. So. Like literally the opposite of the Colts. Something to do with the Colts. The Broncos? In their history, sort of. Yeah, the Dolphins. No, it's the Browns. Right. The Browns. Ah, ah, gotcha. Because gotcha. of the because of the Baltimore connection, Colts left Baltimore, gotcha, gotcha. became the Ravens, left Cleveland to become the Ray. You know that whole thing. Um, right. Yeah, Browns Jets. So Cosell's first game. I think Don Meredith was part of the broadcast. Um, I'm glad I got one of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that was fifty years ago. It makes sense because he featured the Super Bowl champions and the. Uh, and Joe Namath lost. I think it was in overtime. So Browns beat the Jets in that game, in case you're curious. All right, two for 10, all three for 20. Last one in sports. Can you name the three Raiders running backs to rush for over 1,000 yards in their first 15 games? Josh Jacobs. Number one all time, 1,311 yards in his first 15 games. I want to say it. Oh, God, I want to say it so bad, but I can't. I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true. God, I wish he was an answer. I wish Darren McFadden was right. I wish he was oh, right. Oh, no. I no, wish no, he was no, no, right. No, no. I really Chicken do. Chicken legs. Chicken legs, McFadden. Um, who was a Raider draftee? 15. Marcus Allen. Number two all time with... 1,043 yards in his first 15 games. So Jacob's a substantial amount more yards in his first 15. Hey, man, you watch that team last night? You see that stadium? Can I just declare yeah. it? Can I can I call them my team now? Yeah, go ahead. They moved. It's time. They moved. Listen, nobody is going to fault you. I, I left the Jets back in the 80s. Nobody's I just like John Gruden. I me. genuinely like him. I genuinely like John Gruden. I think I can get into the Raiders. They're not that good, by the way. They're they're like, they don't really have any glamour. You know what I mean? Yeah, but it'd be great like once a year going out to Vegas and catching oh, the game. Like, absolutely. It's just a great, it's a great time of year I, to go I, out I, there. I think I can enjoy them as more than a, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know that I could ever get the Jets out of my blood. I just want to see their ownership change. That's what I think. Go, I like whatever the whenever the Chargers are playing, because you know nobody's traveling. You know the Chargers don't have any fans. That's right. So they're gonna play out there once a year. You go out there, you get a ticket for fifteen dollars and uh, enjoy. You get to see your Raiders every year. <sighs> so who's I think the you can last fly to guy? Vegas for who's like forty dollars. Still, it's pretty cheap. Who is the last guy? Who is sticking out? God. There's somebody there. There's somebody that is just right in front of me that I'm just not hitting that I that should be pretty obvious, right? Yeah. Yep. Gosh. 1,003 y yards in his first 15 games. Gosh darn it. 
<sighs> what decade? Oh, our our prime. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I knew. Eighties. One of the most anticipated players in Bo the history. Bo Jackson. Football. Bo Jackson. There you go. All right. Need a little help, but I did. You got there. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't going to guess him, but I remember that he was so good early, and then the hip injury. Uh, man, I, I remember watching, wait, staying up late watching him on Monday night early in his career against the Seahawks. I want to say, and he was like, he was like a video game. He just, he was unbelievable. It's absolutely yeah. And then in the summertime, he was playing center baseball field at an all-star level. It was yep. just you know, Kansas it was like City. Uh, it was seen. amazing. All right, let's do some uh, geography, history, Nick. Uh, you better get this. If you don't, you're not my friend anymore. Uh, King Leonidas of what city-state in September 19th, 480 B.C. at the Battle of Thermopylae beat Persian King Xerxes in a crucial, uh, or lost, or died <laughs> fighting Persian King Xerxes at the Battle of Thermopylae? Once again, King Leonidas of what city-state died September 19th, 480 B.C. at the Battle of Thermopylae fighting the Persian king, Xerxes? Athens? Ah! You're not my friend anymore, Nick. Sorry, you're still my Sparta? friend. Sparta? Yes. Sparta? <laughs> yes, Sparta. That's King Leonidas. He's the, fa- he's the famous, you know... Uh, this is Sparta. You know that whole. Yeah, I, mean, I just I get them all. I get them kind of confused. Yeah, yeah. No, I get I, I, it. Whenever I'm down to those two, it's just like I, I always want to watch. Well, like I I tried to to frame this for people, um, but Leonidas and and this entire period, this two year period in history, was the most vital period in the, in human history of all of human history. If the Greeks had not withstood the Persian invasion. There never would have been a philosophical revolution that happened. There would be no Socrates. There would be no Aristotle. There would be no, you know, you know, Plato. There would be none of that. There would be no concept of a democracy. Uh, there would be no concept of free people. All of those things were laid out by the Greeks. All of them, and it all happened after Spartan Athenian coalition defeated the Persians in the most unlikely defeat ever. Like, it, sh- it should never, ever, ever have happened. The first defeat shouldn't have happened, which was the Battle of Marathon. The Battle of Salamis, which was the sea battle. These, by the way, Marath- or Salamis is uh, the movie 300, the sequel. That's about the Battle of Salamis. It's a naval battle. Um, the-, the famous battle of uh, for 300 of Thermopylae, the 300 Spartans, all that really did was delay the Persians enough to let the rest of the armies regroup and kind of be a rallying cry, but that wasn't really like a victory. Um, they eventually beat them a year later after a 300,000-person Persian army had amassed, and the largest Greek army ever assembled that the Spartans led of about 100,000 men uh, took them on, and that was the end of the Persian, uh, basically the end of the Persian Empire, really. Uh, they lost that. They went home. They never came back to Greece. And then Greece didn't fall till the Romans... Uh, well, really, the Macedonians conquered them through Alexander, but they didn't really fall culture-wise to the Romans, and that allowed a couple hundred years of, you know, these ideas and and this culture to flourish and and get recorded. Uh, it's the only time in human history the concept of people voting or doing anything, you know, uh, themselves and the king not ruling was ever introduced. So if they hadn't defended it, you know, it was, all of human history would have been kings. 
So the Americans never even would have had anything to go off of for a revolution. So I contend it's the most important two-year period in human history, and Leonidas is the guy that led that Spartan uh, brigade in, in uh, Thermopylae, this tiny little pass against 150,000 Persians, and he fought them off for like three days, three days behind a, a 10-foot wall that they had built. And uh, they only got sold out by some farmer, some goat farmer, told the king, hey, uh, there's, uh, there's a path that, that if you take the path through the night, you'll come around their other side and you'll flank them in the rear. So he told uh, Leonidas found out that that was happening. He sent the other 6,000 troops home the other way uh, before they came, and he let these last 300 Spartans uh, defend that pass. And, like, the craziest thing, the story that I really remember is the Persian king sent out spies to go look at the uh, camp, and he came across the Spartans, and instead of being, like, worried or, you know, fearful that there's 300 guys and 100,000 ready to kill them, they were braiding their hair and washing their clothes. And he went back to the king. He's like, they've lost their minds. They're braiding their hair and washing their clothes. And an advisor said to the king, these men know they're going to die. They're dressing in their finest hour. Uh, and it was, it's it's remarkable stuff. Like, the Spartans were like nothing else human history has ever produced, um, good or bad. I mean, they had plenty of bad to them, but, but it was... <laughs> it's a shame Mel Gibson didn't make the movie because that movie 300 kind of, you know, I don't know how you feel about that movie, but I don't know that it does the story justice. It's uh, it's like uh, almost like Snatch, you know, the movie like Guy Ritchie style. Like it's just a very intense way to make a movie. And I don't think it does like the way I would yeah, I do like it. Snatch better. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I like both of those movies. The Battle of Salamis movie for Three Hundred Part Two was very interesting because uh, it's got a great backstory too. Of the Persians hire this woman who is like the most fierce, ferocious female warrior in human history on the seas, and she's like the only one who defeated any of the, the Athenian ships. Um, and I think Rachel Green play, played her. <laughs> I was like, how did oh. you cast that? How did you? I'm a fan of Rachel Green, though. She was. I'm telling you, man, she scared the Wait, hell is it out of Rachel me. Rachel Green or Eva Eva Green? Eva Green. Eva Green. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. you knew who I was talking about. Right, right. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, 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 big big fan of hers. She was a Bond girl at one point. Yeah, so she was um, amazing uh, in 300 too. So anyway, Sparta. Right, I got a quick one here for you in geography history, man. Yep, I only have one more. Uh, journalists who exposed government corruption during the early 20th century were called what? Journalists who exposed Ooh. government corruption during the early 20th century were called what? Muckrakers? Yeah, you got it. Muckrakers. Dude, what a horrible name for these people exposing corruption. That's like, I, uh, you know what? I was, call about, you muckrakers. I was about to say carpetbagger, and I was like, no, no, no. no. That's, that's <laughs> totally not. I know it's from the revolution or from the uh, Civil are, War. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know, but I was like, one of them's right, one of them's wrong. <laughs> Which one is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, muckraker. That, I, that's awful. <laughs> uh, that, well, that's politicians trying to cover their own right. ass. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. All right, Nick, here's a true or false question for you. True or false, the 1812 overture was written for the War of 1812. I know this one. That is false. That is correct. It was written much later. No, well, it was it was written um, later, but it was written in honor of 
uh, the Russian repel of Napoleon's army in 1812. So it had nothing to do with the War of 1812 being fought between Britain and America. Just happened. It is the theme song to what show? Uh, well, the eighteen twelve overture uh, was it Lone Ranger. Yeah, nice. Because that's got the right. Yeah, but it's got uh, uh, eighteen twelve overture is awesome. It's performed with like all these cannons and Tchaikovsky, right? Yeah, Tchaikovsky. Yep, Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky. Right. You just went into a Tim can. Did you walk away from the mic. I'm here. I'm here. Now you sound like a tin can again. How am I now? Yeah, slightly better, but not that much, but it's okay. How about now? Now completely back to normal. All right, all right. <laughs> However, that just happened. Derek, Derek, keep it together back there. Hot shot. He's trying to work remotely. Give the kid a He's break. over there microwaving a French bread pizza back in the freezer for like about three years. It's disgusting watching him eat. Anyway. You should have seen him heat up empanadas yesterday. Oh. Anyway, uh, entertainment. Let's go into I do, it. I do enjoy an empanada. I, gotta I do say, too. I gotta say, yeah, Atlantic City's empanada scene is banging. Super underrated. The empanada because the taco gets all the love, and, and I mean the taco is a mess. Let's face it, you it's can't a mess. Yo, go you to can't taco. stand up and eat the taco. What was the place an uh, in Atlantic City that uh, that just did the beach soccer camp? Is like Taco King. And they spawned, They brought out empanadas, and they were unbelievable. It's in the Chelsea neighborhood of Atlantic City. Tacos something. But, uh, man, were they good. All right. Uh, entertainment? You ready to entertain? I am. I have two. I have Tell two. Me you, want me to go first. you too. All right. Here we go. Who set a record with a top 40 hit single on the pop charts every year from 1970 to 1999? 40 Years. This artist wow. had a top 40 hit single on the pop charts every year from 1970 to 1999. Pat Boone. That is incorrect. Uh, no, it isn't. Of course it's correct, Nick. Pat Much- Boone every year right there. Uh, that's a great question, man. I don't it's even know how this like- is possible, but if anybody could do it, it's just like, how is that even possible? Like, the only guy that I could think of is Elton John. You got it, sir. Pat yourself on the back. You are a winner today. Good and job. Pat Boone. And Your Pat song, Boone. I believe, started it in 1970. I, the, the song that was his last one in 1999, I had never even heard of. Um, yeah. I was hoping it would have been something good, but no, it was he did not. something for a movie. Yeah, no, he did the Lion King films. But yeah, but they, they didn't. But he did for a different movie uh, later, much later. Like there's something that are, that won a won an Academy Award for. Uh, yeah, but if you ever look at like his list of, al- I mean, he's got so many albums. He just pumped an album out like it was him and Bernie Taupin. Just how many number out. ones do you think Elton John had in his career? Uh, I would say like maybe eleven. You there? All right. Yeah, I'm here. I'm, I'm looking at. Uh, all right. So let's. I got the numbers here. You ready? I got single number of singles released. I don't know uh, how many number ones, but number number of single released, number of total studio albums, number of compilation albums, and number of live albums. Let's play an over under. All right. Go ahead. You said them. Singles. 
singles? Yep. I'll say he's had, uh, I don't know, maybe like he's had a number one for five, I don't know, 112. Damn, you're awesome. So, hundred, you want to go over or under 112? Uh, do you want to take the over or under on 112? You just said it. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I was setting the over-under at 112. So, okay. that, that, so would you take the over or would you take the under? I, I guess I would take the over, but I Yep, 129. All right, there you go. That's right, close. All right, studio albums. I'm going to set the over-under here. Yeah, that, that's better since yeah. you got the number. Studio albums, 22. Oh, my gosh, I was going to say 23. So I'll take the over. 33. Wow. That's, that's how you get right? 40. That's how you get 40 years of a single right there. 33 studio albums. That's incredible. So, yeah. And uh, how many live albums? Uh, Don't forget, Benny and the Jets was a live album. Yeah. So I'll say seven. Five. And, okay. ha- and how many compilation albums? Oh, Th- man. This I number no is very high. Yeah. I-, I have no idea. 40? 17. Okay. Yeah. I- There's no idea on that one. It's impressive. Um. All right, hit me back, man. Got a few more minutes here. Okay. Uh, Nick, who holds the record for the most Emmy wins for the same character? Actor or actress, most Emmy wins portraying the same character on television. Jeez. Uh, All right. A couple people come to mind. Whew, did he... All right. Oh. I actually like this as a top 10 because there, there's definitely, you know, like Brian Cranston comes to mind. Uh, obviously, uh, Kelsey Grammer with his Frasier character. And then Julie Louis Dreyfus are the. Is it one of those three? Yes. Yes. All right. That, those are the three that pop out. Uh, it felt like Frasier was just winning it every year there, but man. Julie Louis Dreyfus went on a run too. Uh and I could picture Brian Cranston, but I'm gonna say I'm gonna eliminate Brian Cranston. Am I still on the right track? Yes. All right. Down to Kelsey Grammer and Julie Louis Dreyfus. We're gonna go with Julie Julie Louis Dreyfus. You win, Nick. Yes. Julia Louise Dreyfus. For Veep. For Veep, not even for Elaine. Isn't that amazing? No, for Veep. Yeah, Tremendous. they just gave it there every year for like six years. Like, here you go. Great question. Apparently, Shit's Creek. Uh, were they sponsoring the Emmys this year? I, I mean, that I, was that's crazy. Care to guess how many uh, wins and nominations Julia Louis Dreyfus has? I'll for... say she's got six wins. Eleven. Oh my gosh, she won that eleven years in a row. I don't know about 11 years in a row, but she's won for Seinfeld, The New Adventures of Old Christine, and Veep. Uh, oh, oh, I was talking about for Veep. That oh, I know, I know, but I'm saying her total number of wins, 24 nominations, 11 wins, but Veep gotcha, might gotcha. have been six, which is nuts. Yeah, that Emmys broadcast was the single worst thing I've ever had to watch. I, I mean, I actually suffered through like way longer than I should have. I eventually had to turn it off, but how bad was that? I wouldn't know. You're assuming oh, that gosh, I would dude. spend any time well, watching it. First of all, I do the love show Jimmy started, Kimball, though. The show started off with like Shit's Creek winning the first, I want to say maybe seven Emmy Awards. And 
the you whole ever see that cast show? and crew were in this. I, I watched the first episode of it. I absolutely hated it, but everybody says it's great, so I don't know. I might have to. I might have to revisit it. I, I don't know. I, <laughs> what? No. St- I, I don't know. I I haven't. I've never. I haven't done it. I haven't sat down to watch it. The name itself is just a turnoff. But well, I, I, I like Eugene Levy, and I like yeah. Uh, so I gave it a shot. But man, that first episode, I was like, all right, don't have to worry about this anymore. But now it's winning all <laughs> shows. These can get but, better though. It does take time sometimes. All right, but I got one more for you. Let's do it. I got one more left, and then we'll end all this right. thing. What 2004 film title is also a pseudonym used by Elvis Costello? What 2004 film title is also a pseudonym used by Elvis Costello? God, I once knew this. Is it Mr. Something? Nope. I wish I knew what Elvis Costello uses as a pseudonym. I should know that right away, and I like that. You would know this right away if you knew it. This is not something that you would have forgotten. No. It I... is very much a specific thing and a specific movie that you know very well. And a, uh... I think you'll be surprised to know that this was Elvis Costello's pseudonym, as, as I was when I saw this for the first time. So I was like, what? Huh? I had never heard of that before. Donnie What's Darko. Napoleon Dynamite. No way. Yeah. Napoleon Dynamite is a Elvis Costello pseudonym. So he used that. that before the movie? Yes. Wow. He's even cooler than I thought he was. <laughs> yep. Yep. Well, I was about to do something terrible to the people out there, but you just saved them from it. So I'll ask you the last question. I was going to end on the song, this terribly annoying song. But instead, Nick, I'm going to have you pick out your favorite Elvis Costello song to end on, saving us from this atrocity. Um, Okay, great. uh, Children's songwriter Sherry Lewis, who is known for creating the song that never ends. Have you ever heard that song, Nick? The song that never ends? I might be somewhat familiar with it, yes. Created what puppet character? I need the whole question again, please. Children's songwriter Sherry Lewis, who is known for creating the song that never ends, also created what popular puppet character? There's an extra word that the crowd gets that you don't. When you want that word, I will tell you that word. I I, I mean, like I I really have just I'm go, I got nothing that I'm going on in this. So, like I would say, Miss Piggy, but isn't that Jim Henson? Yes. You ready? Children's songwriter Sherry Lewis is known for creating the song that never ends. And what popular sock puppet character? Gotcha. Sock puppet character. Dead silence, folks. Yeah, I don't know this. So you're telling me sock puppets, children's sock puppets are not in your wheelhouse. Folks, you can trust (laughs) this man with your children. It's definitive proof. (laughs) He didn't jump all over it. You're saying I should be glad that I'm missing this one? Yeah. Yeah. 
dude, it's so bad. I don't even have a guess. I mean, I just don't even. I, I got nothing. Lamb I chop. I think sock puppeting is maybe my least favorite. Maybe mimes. Uh, is you worse. got kids. Then, you got two girls. I figured you've probably seen it. Lamb chop. Uh, lamb chop. Oh, lamb chop. I, I, you say it, and it, it, I, I've heard of lamb chop. Yeah, Sherry Lewis created the a, popular character Lamb Chop as well as the song that never ends, which you're not going to hear because I'm telling you, it's only 20 seconds and it'll be in your head for a month. You won't get it out. It's like a lingering virus. Instead, you're going to hear an amazing Elvis Costello song. We're going to figure out which one. My personal favorite Elvis Costello song, Nick, is Veronica. But that's just me. I mean, you know, Veronica is up there, too, for me. But, I mean, my favorite one is probably, like, Oliver's Army. But it's that's kind of popular, so I don't know if you want to go there. Or I would say a little deeper track is uh, Brilliant Mistake. I'm a huge fan of uh, that Love one. Love Brilliant Mistake. Um, all, all good. All good, man. He create. You know what his number one play is, at least according to this? This is pretty surprising. Is it? I, I would have to say I, I would go... Uh, I have three that I would think would be in his top, but I would say every day I write the book. That's what I would have guessed too. I wonder if uh, if if I'm missing a list here somewhere. And is it Allison? Because I think somewhere he might be choosing what you're seeing here as his overview. Artists can do that now. Did you know that? No, I did not. So they can put up the list of the f- songs that you see first. Right. So I'm looking at a list here, and what he's got up is his number one. I, I just can't imagine that's his number one. Uh, so let's see what I got here. All right, brother. I will hear it on the uh, playback. But I am. Uh, All right. Well, pick it, pick your song. What do you want? Oliver's Army? Yeah. Go Oliver's Army. All right. We'll, we'll do Oliver's Army to end uh, the Quizzo Trivia Podcast. All right, folks, for Nick, my name is Drew. We will see you next week. This has been the Quizzo Trivia Podcast. Visit us online at quizzopodcast.com for more information. 